The views expressed in the podcast you are about to listen to are the opinions of the presenter and the cast. None of us are official representatives of the companies we work for, and we are in no way responsible for what we say. If you are offended or otherwise afflicted by these opinions, please push the unsubscribe button in iTunes and go do something else. And welcome to the second Animation Conversation podcast. Today is uh, February 28th, 2008. I'm Erlen uh, Saxag and I'll be guiding you through the show. Today I have for you the first part of another roundtable podcast, which we recorded um, like a week ago, and we will discuss acting. I'm not going to bother you with too much chit-chat before we start the podcast, but I would like to remind you to head on over to our website and uh, maybe leave a message for us. We would really like to hear what you guys have to say. So the website is uh, www.animationconversation.com And if you have a question or anything else related to the podcast, you should definitely send an email to feedback at animationconversation.com And if you do that, we will try and answer those questions next time. And if we don't answer it uh, on the podcast, I'll uh, at least drop you an email and uh, answer as good as I can. Oh, and uh, don't forget, if you want to listen to us again, you should uh, head on over to the iTunes store and uh, do a search for Animation Conversation and we'll be right there at the top. So again, with no further delay, here is the Animation Conversation Roundtable Podcast Part 1, recorded on February 20th, 2008. So welcome to the second Animation Conversation Podcast. And um, today the topic is uh, acting in an animation, and I've got some excellent animators with me tonight. First one is Morten from last time. Hello. And then there's Steve Saxegård. Hello. And last but not least, uh, William John uh, Ashurst. Ashurst. We're going to try something new today and uh, do it like a quick introduction based on some uh, general questions. And I guess you know uh, everything about Morton from last time, so I'm going to start with Stieg. Uh, age? I'm uh, 30 years old. Uh, uh, born? <laughs> I was born right here in Norway. How many years in the business? I've been, let's see, I've been in the business in 2002 uh, as an animator most of the time, but also a, a bit as a concept artist. Why animation? I chose animation principally because I, I started out as a, as a uh, illustrator and I, I loved drawing, so it was a natural progression from there. What's your favorite animated movie? My favorite animated movie um, would probably have to be Finding Nemo because it's such a beautiful story. And your favorite non-animated movie? Non-animated film, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many... You don't watch 
non-animated movies? No, I only watch animated movies. So I think it's cheaper yeah. to watch real people. You're a true believer. Yeah. Um, what was your last project? What are you working on now? Right now I'm working on Kurtz, together with all you other guys. I'm surprised. <laughs> we? Wow, <laughs> really? That's cool. Um, my last project was a uh, new intro for uh, Norwegian children's uh, TV. Also done here at Kristen. Yeah. And where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see myself working for uh, a big company, perhaps my own company, uh, doing cool projects, hopefully not so much commercials, um, more films, I think, in, or TV series or something in that line, um, something where the deadlines are a bit longer than yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but you're still going to be animating. You're not well, going to extend the animation thing to something else. I don't know. I, I, I like directing. Um, and I also like, um, also like uh, concept art. Uh, so I might go into that. But for now, I, I really enjoy animation. So Cool. Let's leave it at that. And uh, Will, mm -hmm. you're the... Grand old man here. Yes, 32. <laughs> Born? Born in London, just outside. Years in the business? Uh, I've been in animation now for nine years. be ten years next March. Mm. Occupation? Uh, occupation, yeah. I've done lots of things. I've, uh, I've been a traditionally trained animator, so I worked with mainly TV series and adverts for about five years in 2D. And then develop my own TV show with a friend, which is doing quite well still. And, uh, but what's interesting is that you've been a traditional animator, right? Yes. Yeah. For most of your career. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there are no jobs for that, or no. I mean, I started doing storyboards yeah. uh, because of the two D jobs started to to fade away and then they were picking up the more experienced 2D animators in London because they had more experience and you know generally just that little bit better and then they could get they could get uh, more for less you know yeah yeah so why animation um I've been drawing since I was a kid I used to do my own comic book at school and then uh, it was just a natural progression I was going to go and work for a, a comic book in London when I was 16 but my mum put a stop to that, so uh, she told me to go to college. And then uh, just natural progression, drawings, making the move, and then love of film. And uh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. What's your favourite animated movie? Uh, Iron Giant. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Bird. Yeah, still my favourite. Followed closely by Matt uh, Before Christmas. Yeah. Like what about your favourite non-animated movie? It has to be The Mighty Goonies. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The goodness always comes up in conversations. It's uh, kind of funny. Everyone has a memory, or most people have memories from, from that yeah. movie. So, um, what was your, what was your last uh, project? Um, probably the, well, Kurt here with you lot, and did, Cone, did some animation on Conan for Funcom. Uh, the, the game. game. Yeah. Okay. What kind of game is that? For those who don't know. Uh, an MMO, which is RPG, a massive multiplayer online 
role-playing game. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the record, I don't play those sort of games. I think they're no. a waste of time. Yeah. Okay, so you're a seller, basically. Yeah. Okay. I take the money and run. Good. Good on you. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Hopefully directing. I did a bit of directing back in the UK. And yeah. uh, just sort of developing my own work, hopefully with a my company here in Norway. Cool. Because there doesn't seem to be enough competition. Would you hire us? Or? Yeah. You pay well, right? Yeah. Excellent. So you always need cleaners. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, I think that should do it. I, I guess I could ask Morton what his favorite movies are. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, favorite animated movie, I'd have to say, would be Monsters, Inc. And favorite non-animated film? It's too many. I, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, maybe? Is that the tough second one? one? No, first the one. first one. Yeah. yeah. There's something that all depends on the mood, really. So let's move on over to today's uh, theme, which is acting in animation. Did you guys do any acting as kids? We had the end of the year of plays at Christmas and summer holidays, or before the summer holidays, but I was always really, not get cast as the tree in the background or uh, something else, so it's never really big on that. What about you, Will? I played a king. The king? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, wow, uh, that's like the top um, role you can get. Yeah, it was, yeah. The I big was, I did it for one night and then I was emotionally drained, so I could do it the next night. <laughs> How old were you? Ten. I can't remember. <laughs> so your acting career stopped then? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Steve? So well, I, I, I guess I participated in some school plays and stuff, but uh, most, most of the time I just acted up, I guess. <laughs> I did the same thing actually. I I went to a Steiner school, like uh, that's where they don't have homework and stuff. The Waldorf school, I think it's it's the more international. We did we did a lot of uh, plays. We had like, uh, like five five or six major plays that took up a lot of the uh, the classes. So you learn acting and and playing around instead of like mathematics, and science, and science, and, and the yeah. less important subjects. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a mix. We're supposed it's like the school is really creative and uh, they try to uh, to educate kids to be uh, different. That's kind of one of the main ideas behind the school. And I did a lot of acting with the... I went to like a small theater group. But after a while I realized I was really bad at remembering lines. So so I kind of gave up after. I think I stayed there for like five years, but never became anything more than that. Same with music. I gave up music because I couldn't remember any songs. (laughs) It used to be my problem as well. I actually remember I I was part of a theater group for about half a year and I had... My role consisted of, I think, three lines, and I keep, kept botching them up all the time. <laughs> kept saying the wrong things. <laughs> I can imagine that being rather hard, though, because you always you have to wait through that the whole play until it's your it's your moment, and then the pressure is immense because it's like you have to do it correctly because you only have those three lines, and if you don't do those properly, then you're kind of like screwed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Would you know? You're you always a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder than it looks. Would, do you think you have to be a, an actor to be a good animator? I guess you already answered that, kind of, but... 
do you have to be like a like a an actor inside? Well, I think I think that's uh, I think that's uh, a pretty uh, crucial thing that you're an actor inside. You're not necessarily good at acting out, yeah. Um, but that you can put yourself into emotional states and kind of feel how that would manifest itself in, in like your facial expression or your posture or whatever you need to express the feeling. So that's one of the wonderful things about animation for me is that you can play out all these emotions on a um, on a character uh, that's not you, basically. But are animators uh, actors? Not all of them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be an actor uh, in some ways. But 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 then again, most of the acting is is already there, especially if you have dialogue. Um, the the acting is in the dialogue and you really just have to uh, try to catch the emotion that comes across in the dialogue. Uh, and if you don't have dialogue, then, then a lot of the acting is already in the storyboards. But yeah, you, you, have, to, you have to be able to act, you have to be able to kind of reach in and get in touch with the emotions of the character. So that's what I like about if you have a really good soundtrack to use. It. It sparks so many ideas that you can put into um, into your scene, as opposed to having a, a really bad line delivered, and then you kind of have to. Um, it's really sometimes it's really frustrating, and hard to come up with stuff that kind of uh, builds the performance that you really want. Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, if you try to work with with temp tracks or temporary tracks, and it's uh, sometimes just a director or a complete stranger that has just read the, the lines that are on the page just for you to be yeah. able to make the lip sync. Nothing's <coughs> worse than that because the dialogue doesn't give give you anything and you have to imagine how the line would be said and then that means you really have to act because then you have to... Yeah. But, but you have to You'd act... You have to be really good to do that. It's a, like a really good animator could probably do that. Or imagine well, maybe and maybe not because, uh, um, I mean, timing the timing of the, the line is there. Yeah. But none of the emotion in the <laughs> yeah. in the dialogue is there. It's almost impossible to, to get really well, I think. And know? what we do here is that we actually have some footage of the actors, at least a few like the main actors. So we have some to use as a reference because you could someone who speaks in a certain way usually has like a certain body mass or a certain way of uh, using his arms uh, to communicate what he's or she's saying. It's just, it's just hard to, to with the tap tracks, you don't know uh, the energy and the voice that the actor's going to be reading. Maybe your your arms or whatever, it's, it's too much or too little and it just it just looks wrong. It's a hard way to work on a scene. Especially if it's like a, an emotional scene where lots of information is being put across uh, and either the character is really happy or really angry and the voice is monotone, then it's, <laughs> it's very difficult to get that right. But acting is really important. I think we can agree on that. I find it very emotionally draining as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we only do like one shot a day or a week. I, I do because it's a performance. Yeah, it is. And then yeah. you, you have to you have to think about what you're gonna do and then and then when you get it right you think it's right and then the director will come in and say change this, change that. Yeah. And then Isn't I'm that the worst thing when the, when the director sees something that you're really pleased with, that yeah. pleased with? Because you're, so, you're kind of inside the character and you're having him look a certain way or doing something really like emotional. And then the director says, no, he should probably be uh, angry. Yeah. 
And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's angry. Yeah, I didn't really base any of this on uh, being angry. <laughs> so that can kind of screw you up, right? Yeah. Right. Right. That's another problem with the 10 tracks, obviously. <laughs> I worked on this 2D show. We animated 12 minutes to a 10 track. And then oh, uh, how long show? It, it was a 26 minute episode. Half of it. So half of it, yeah. Jeez. Wow. And uh, then the actors came in and they put all this emotion into the into the voices, and uh, it, it was so flat. It was it was really embarrassing to see it because the first half of the, the acting of uh, the acting was was poor because of what we were given, and the second half was really nice and the characters really developed. Yeah. And, uh, so it's a real contrast. Yeah, and we we lip sync we lip sync to this uh, this temp track, and then the voice actor comes in, and the voice actor actor is probably distracted by looking at lips and trying to emulate how the lips move. Yeah, it must be very confusing as well because he has to hit certain points at certain times. Yeah. So he's not free to kind of you know express the or... line as as he would have liked to. Because yeah. it's less. Uh, focus on the performance. Yeah. When we were developing uh, our TV show, we had this actor in mind when we were writing a character. So we based all the dialogue on this this actor. And we happened to get the actor to play the part because we said we based it on him. Hmm. So it's uh, it's a really strong voice acting and performance because we had we already sort of pre-planned that we wanted this. This is how we base it on. This is who we base it on. Sounds like a gamble though. Yeah, well, we, it wasn't really because we were just basing the whole mood of this character on this certain actor who played another character, and luckily he was he said yes to the project, so and it worked out really well. And uh, it's a shame the uh, animation wasn't up to the level of the acting. Yeah, but that's Flash for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, for me, I'm just back to the good actor, uh, good animator subject. I mean, to me, uh, a good actor, a good animator is a, is a person who's uh, being a strong actor gives you uh, more different ways to approach a scene, and also uh, just avoiding the cliches and stereotypes. Yeah, it's because there's so many times you watch stuff and it's person doing shrug or person doing. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many cliche poses you see because people mm-hmm. are stressed for time, and it's, it's it just it kind of takes away from the, the story. Animation. Yeah. So, what are your uh, your work methods? How do you plan a shot? Uh, do you sketch anything? I sketch first. Yeah. Because I have the character in front of me. How detailed? No, just uh, just the proportions. Um, oh. So I know. So what about like stuff like reversals and like things you want to do to make it like spark? <laughs> well, I, I just do the main keyframes. Yeah. The strong poses, and I just pop that in. But do you think about animation or do you just think about uh, posing? I do the keyframe poses and then I, I put the animation afterwards. I mean, I think that's how I was trained. Yeah. So I always put the keyframes in, especially in acting. Yeah. And then I, I put the, the follow-through in or the in-between in. And that seems to work quicker for me. But that's obviously in, in 2D. Um, yeah. What do you do in, in 3D? The same. <clears throat> the same? Yeah. Because I find it... If you've got a good pose, it will normally just blend itself to the next pose because, for instance, with, the, with an arm, you can have it in one pose and then it goes up. And it will, it'll, with a computer, it'll in between, but then you can play around with the timing. So I find it. That's, that works really well for me, and that's how I do it. I just take my 2D training and, and, and put that method in. 
And other than that, I just walk in front of the mirror sometimes because it's always good to just to yeah. see what happens with other body parts that you're not really aware of, like the, your feet and, yeah, yeah. and the hip. Yeah. So, and just just try it out and do a jump and do stuff like that on the floor just to yeah. kind of figure out how that would... Yeah, and film. We film a lot. So. Yeah, Martin, I know you do a lot of footage for uh, yeah, it's for reference it's for reference yeah. i'm really my drawing skills are really bad it takes me forever to do proper sketches so usually yeah, sometimes i do like stick figures or really crude drawings just to get like a basic rough idea for what i want and then i go shoot myself trying to act it out because <laughs> you always go shoot yourself oh uh, yeah that happens if it goes really badly <laughs> uh no but it's just to kind of um, i mean you get so much for free shooting reference because there's always stuff you don't think about I mean, if you just sit and you're, it's, I mean, it's a cliche. You sit in front of your computer, try to come up with stuff. And uh, it, it looks like you've been sitting in front of your desk trying to come up with stuff. And yeah. Instead of acting it out, you get, maybe your hand moves this way or your hips. It's, you, you get stuff you didn't think of. And I just think it, it shows. Yeah. And don't copy it because that's bad. But, you know, no, you, you don't have monoscope. But no. do, do you ever, like, do you think about the angle? Yeah. Well, yeah. I try to set it up as closely as I can to the original camera angles and um, try, try, uh, try to have some, some sort of idea before I start. Because sometimes, if you, uh, for me, if I, if I don't, then it, uh, when I look at the reference, I should have done this instead, I should have done this instead. So try to plan it just a bit. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's really helpful for me. Hopefully it shows in a way, because uh, I think it adds that bit of credibility to the final uh, results but I, I find that I I tend to get a little bit stuck in the in the reference material that I it's, it's important I think to use it just as a foundation <coughs> and um, yeah just kind of use it as a base I just I, I guess I just prefer uh, feeling the jump instead of looking at it and knowing what it's supposed to look like I uh, try to figure out how my my character would jump just by feeling how the weights in the body moves inside the body. My imagination isn't all that good. So, <laughs> I mean, it gets me to one. It gets me so far, but I think doing the reference kind of gives you a bit more to go on. Yeah, actually, I don't like using reference that much at all because very often when uh, you get a scene, it's it's got serious time constraints, and the character has to do certain things within. Like the time constraint of the scene, and if you if you act it out, you really have to be. Or if you reference yourself acting something out, you really have to be very careful to hit the exact the exact time. And if if the exact time is like five seconds, you're probably going to go uh, for you know, four or five seconds over. <laughs> oh, but I never I never use it for the the timing of or the acting beats. It's more for the mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, but you have a good point there, because I remember now that before I started working with dialogue that was pre-recorded and, uh, and an animatic, I used to do a lot more referencing, stuff like that, or, and really planning out everything on the, on, my, uh, on the paper. But now that I have the, the storyboard uh, and the animatic to look at, it's kind of set, especially the, when you have speech. When people are talking throughout the scene, it's really... The timing is so much easier to do than when you're just doing something for you real. Or when someone is like kicking a ball and pushing a, a big box or something like that. That's much harder to do because you don't have anything to ref reference that from, like the timing. Yeah, Some, sometimes yeah. I think time constraints are really good to work with because you, um, you know, you're forced to do things... Uh, 
um, in an animated way in a way because if you if you use the reference too slavishly, I know Morton doesn't do that, but um, I, do. <laughs> I think he does. But yeah. um, <laughs> but if you use it too slavishly, you, you you're gonna end up with uh, you know I, the movement being a little too even, I think. Um, and you know you can do stuff that you really can't do in reality in animation. So you can kind of you can move the character really fast into a pose and then hold it and then move it to another pose really quickly. Which you, which you, you're not going to be able to kind of simulate by filming yourself. No, because it's um, quite different how the the body. Yeah, but there's of yeah. a character can act. Actually, <laughs> I actually think more. I actually think more in um, when I'm when I'm when I'm animating uh, from one pose to another. I try to think in arches. Something I happen to do as well is like you, you you think okay where does the where does the the important bits of the character go like the the eyes and the hand. Uh, what 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 arc does it uh, follow uh, from one pose into the other, yeah. and and how does that if there's a if it's a dialogue, um, how does that add to the accents in the the dialogue itself in the scene? I do that, and the only the only thing I do reference is is walks. I did reference yeah. it, but now I kind of have my own way of doing walks. Um, walks are hard. It's like the first thing you learn, and yeah. it's the last thing you get good at. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many different walks as well. Um, I I don't disagree with what you say. It's just to me uh, shooting the reference. It kind of there's there's bits that you can pick up that it just it's just another place to look for inspiration because this as I said earlier, it's about you know catching up things maybe that you, you didn't think of. But I mean, with art and stuff, that's stuff. That's things that you would put in. I mean, obviously, but it's just uh, it's just another source of inspiration. Yeah. Mm. But we're gonna do like a little test after this and measure which of your techniques are the best. And the fastest? No, the best animation. The best one. Yeah. So um, looking for. I have that. to be home by like. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But what about uh, polishing and acting? How how, how much? Time do you spend doing the rough animation versus the polish? Uh, to me, the, the 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 acting is by far the most important thing. Even time wise, I not, not as much as I should. Sorry, I spend more time on the rough because I think you have to get the timing right, and the posing right, and then the cleanup is just simple. You know, with some follow through and yeah, hand hand shapes and and eyes and uh, blinks. Because if it works with the rough, it's going to work in the cleanup. Yeah, I, I often find that uh, my my uh, roughs with um, stepped keys look a lot better than the finished animation because <laughs> I think it's 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 got so much more life in it. I never I never tried uh, using stepped keys. I I, I usually um, you know I put the character in a pose and I, I copy the keys <laughs> to uh, the end of the pose and then I have a you know, uh, movement short movement in between and then another pose. I yeah. try to try to do that and then. And that that conveys the acting, and then when I do the polishing, um, I basically just add a little bit to the curves and tweak it so that it's uh, it's smoother. Uh, I guess we should talk a little bit about that because uh, we we said something about that last time, but we didn't really say work methods. To me, I mean, at least working with step. If it's something really really complicated that I'm going to do, then I might consider doing it in step, just because you have like 
control on everything and, and then I'd probably end up setting keys on almost every frame but if it's something that I kind of feel I have a grasp on I'd skip the whole step thing because it's just an extra level because it takes a while it takes a while to get everything set up in step and then you go into spline and then you have to spend time making it look decent in, in the spline version and I'd rather just go doing it in the spline version I guess it's with the step, it's easier to show the director what you want, but it takes such, so much time away from the actual animation that you're going to do. I'd rather work in a, call it spline version, or use that to work again, towards a final result, just because it saves more time. Mm-hmm. And again, it depends on the shot. Sometimes I just, if it's a very physical shot, I do layering. Um, yeah, I said, yeah. I, I kind of work like you, they do in 2D, I guess. I do steps keys and then I do breakdowns of those keys and like secondary breakdowns and I spend a lot of time just doing that, just getting good poses and good in-betweens. But you can still do that doing the spline version, it's it's just that... Yeah, but it's, it's different. It's, when you do a play blast you will get distracted by the curves, I find. Yeah, but I, then after that I go to linear and I try to make things look as good as I can in linear and I put in every breakdown that I need to make it look okay. I don't skip anything at that, st- at that stage. And then I go to spline and just use a script that polishes all the curves. And if I have time, which I usually don't have, <laughs> right now at least at this production uh, I will go in and uh, polish the curves by hand and just go through them and delete keys that doesn't have to be there and just make the curves look beautiful yeah I, I try to you know the, the way I, I start working is so I always start um, I always start with a hit uh, almost always if it's a yeah even if it's a close-up I, I usually put in animation at the hip and then, you know, try to hit an accent, the accents in the dialogue or uh, all these very things, things just using the hip. If you don't do the hip first, you're not, you're going to have to do it all over again. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can get acting, you can get from, from, from the hip and then you can work yourself up. And I usually do that right at the beginning when I post the whole scene or series of scenes out, I just, I just use, um, I take the hip and the chest and the, and the head and I pose those things and I actually put in a breakdowns as well between each pose and if that works then I continue and I polish all the curves uh, by hand because I don't have scripts but uh, <laughs> I don't know how to use them. You can borrow my script, it's quite easy. Okay, <laughs> cool. So yeah, and, and what's or works for me anyways is to, to just use the um, if if there's dialogue, just use the dialogue as as a reference for for how you move move the hip. You know, you, you you're basically thinking, okay, when he's saying this, he should be moving into this pose, and then you stop him at that pose, and when he starts saying this, he moves into another pose. So I just use the dialogue as a kind of a timing reference for uh, when the hip should move and how it should move. Uh, and that's really where the acting comes in. And then, if that works, I kind of put on the arms. Um, so you, you don't put in like the the, the main poses. No, I I, I very rarely uh, uh, you know if, if it's an if it's an important part of the animation, I I put in hand animation and and so on as well, very roughly. Um, but 
usually if it's just like somebody talking or walk and talk and so uh, so on I, I i always do it without legs and arms first and so you just, don't you know, put like the main pose in and then do the hip just no. start with the hip no I, I just start with the hip facial expressions or no um because you don't need facial expression to see if the if the kind of the attitude of the character works i think anyway no, um, i actually do i do facial expressions from the start when i do the my first poses I always put in facial expressions because they're gonna. I'm gonna have to do that at one point anyway, so why not just get it right from the start? That's that's what I think. Yeah, I've I've, I've been thinking about doing that, uh, but but I I haven't done it because you have to go back to fix facial expressions anyway because they might not suit the the, the mood you end up with. <laughs> yeah, um, and you have to go back and tweak them. So it might just, not suit your directors. <laughs> no, just, exactly. I was going to ask. I was just when you you're showing your shot to the director. Yeah, and you just got the hip and well, you got the spine working. Well, it's a, how, you how to explain to him? Oh, he's going to be smiling and doing this, or yeah, I, I do that. But I also before I show it to a director, I you know posing out the character with with hip, uh, chest, and and head takes very little time. So you can, if you see that that works for yourself, then you can go in and, and add, you know, hand gestures and mm. um, some facial facial expressions and, and other things, uh, just to get the idea across. Um, But um, Will, you're the 2D guy, so you work the same way as he does. Yeah, I was just agreeing with everything he says there. Yeah. Yeah, I normally I don't put put facial expressions in until near the end. Yeah. I try and get the Because the acting's in the body. But do you do pose posing from the start, or do you? Yeah, I put the, I put the hip in first, and then it's a gradual. Do you build a, a complete pose before you get, go to the next pose, or do you start with, like the hip? I get the hip right first, and I put in the posing of the arms, but it's very rough, just to just to get the impression of what he's doing, especially if it's an aggressive move or. A, yeah. You know, so. Uh, I put that in. Otherwise, you, I feel like I could, I could lose track of it, especially when it's, it's a long scene as well. I guess I do. I do rough, rough posing first. Yeah. Like open arms and walking, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Do you ever feel like when you put the, if you put everything into the pose, uh, when you get to that point? Well, for me, it's like if I put the, the facial stuff in and the hands, then suddenly I realize, oh, I don't have to move the hip as much, or you can tone things down. That it, it just kind of. For me, if you put everything into it, then it, it's easier to kind of know what level you're going to do the the hip movements or the the gestures. Um. Yeah, this is this is true. I mean, uh, very often, like when I put my hand gestures and and even my head in, I realize that my hip movement is, is or the hip the, the character moves his hip too much, and I can just quiet it down completely yeah. and you know, scale it using using the curves. I guess the methods are kind of similar. It's just the the way to get to the same. Yeah, yeah the same place. Hopefully, we all all end up with animation. <laughs> yeah. When I did two D animation, I always uh, whenever I start a drawing, I always start with the head. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that in three D. No. Because you're bound to the to the hip. But when I'm constructing the body or a pose, I, I start with the head because then that gives me the proportions. That's, the that's what they did for the Disney animators for a little chicken. They oh. built a rig that uh, chicken little. Chicken little, yeah. Simple mistake, but easily rectified. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little chicken it's a, it's little. Uh, they uh, they built a rig that's where you had the center of the rig everywhere on the rig, so you could basically just 
take the arm and drag it and then take the hip and drag it and it would like move like a puppet more like a normal puppet it was extremely advanced rigs rigs, i guess they they spent like two years figuring out how to do it it's a pity you don't really see it in the movie though yeah, I actually love the animation in that movie. Yeah, but it's yeah. so yeah. squash and stretch, squash and stretch. Everything yeah, but even on the heads, it's like... It's yeah, but you, if, if you know how how the movie was made, it's it's really interesting. Uh, as far as I know, at least, uh, they uh, the, all the animators or most of the animators working on that movie had never done any 3D work before. So when they came to do the movie, they... Uh, the director figured out, or someone at the production figured out, that these two, the animators, they, they need to work how they're used to working. So that's why they built these rigs. And they also made systems that made them able to, like, kind of draw, draw on a tablet or something I mean, like that. You can do that in Maya as well now. You can, if you're good at drawing, you can draw your keyframes. Oh, yeah. But the thing was that most of the animators there didn't learn how to use the graph editor. So you have... Like in the animation, there's a lot of poses. You can see that it's kind of choppy. The animation mm-hmm. is choppy because they have all these in-betweens, but they never left step mode. Mm. Yeah? So they have like keys, 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 keys on every frame. Yeah. They when work I, like 2D animators. When but I first started on 3D animation, I was working on 3D Studio Max, and I did some animation, and I, I must have worked until I came to Norway and met Morton. What was the first guy? He said, why don't you use a graph editor? And for, for about a year and a half, I was just using it as I saw. And one, one of the colleagues at the company I was at before says, your 3D animation looks like puppet animation. Yeah. And uh, I didn't understand what he was talking about because I thought, it's computer, it doesn't look like puppet. <laughs> so uh, all, all our work had this really nice stepped effect and it, it actually looks like stop motion. Yeah. And it wasn't until I met Morgan and he says, uh, why don't you use a graph editor to do that? And I thought, oh, all right, that's, that's, that's why it doesn't look so smooth. Sometimes. Yeah, but th- to me, I mean, I don't have anything against people who set key. I mean, you can, you can set as many keys as you want, but when the director comes and can yeah, do the walk just a little bit faster or make him bounce just a little less, I mean, if you've set keys on everything, you're screwed. But if you use the graphic, you can kind of just go in and squeeze the, the yeah. curves and you're done. And it's... I agree. I think the graph editor is perfect for, for animation. When you learn how to use the graph editor, you can just go in and you can scale. You, know, you can scale the bounce down on the walk, and you can. If 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 it's set up cleverly in, in the graph editor, it's just a matter of offsetting stuff instead of having to go in and manually move every key or to start deleting. No, keys you, you have to be you have to be really structured in, in how you do the animation. I always have all the keys on the same drawings. I kind of call them drawings. So I have a, I have a key on one and five and nine, you know? So I think of the five as an in-between and then I would have like the seven in between the five and the nine. I would never break that. If I, if I take one, one, um, one key on the arm and shift that off, it's gonna look, it's gonna mess up my whole, uh, my whole timeline. Cause I don't really look at the graph editor until the last stage. Yeah, I also I, f- I follow you what you say with putting all the keys on the same um, on the same frame. Yeah. I, I I always do that in the beginning as well, and then as animation progresses, I kind of uh, offset the you know if the the hip moves and stops at one frame, then I let the the chest joint uh, stop maybe two frames later, and the head two frames later than that. Yeah. But it's always like I put them on the same. Um, 
same frame with the, the you know, uh, well, it's really block. But instead of doing that, I tried to build that into the poses. Like if the hip is moving and then the chest is moving after, then I would build that into the in-between. So it's different, but I guess both methods work. <laughs> yeah, but to me, it's also just when doing physical stuff, it's you've got information that's already there, like in the hip, because it's basically a lot of the times it's just taking that uh, movement and energy from the hip and then uh, placing up along the spine and into the head and to the hands. And if you've already got that information in your graph editor, then why not use it? I think it's in some, yeah. some types, some uh, situations it, it can help you speed up your workflow. But I mean, everyone has their own way of doing stuff. And but absolutely. I use the graph editor when I have problems or if I'm doing like a walk, I have to use the graph editor just to just to see how the hip moves and just to have some kind of reference because you can't always see what's wrong when you see it in the viewport because I try to use the viewport for most everything but once in a while you hit uh, like a problem and you can't really solve it then I go into the graph editor to see what's wrong so you have to know how it works I guess <laughs> would, the, would the work method, methods uh, be different if you work on um, commercials versus features or uh, low versus high budget movies I guess that's a given but no I kind of use the same methods on the advert review and, and especially on I worked on a 2D advert and a 2D film different there's a different way of working yeah especially on a film a when you have a limited limited amount of time to work yeah. um, how do you structure your uh, your shots. How, how much time do you spend on acting and polishing? You know, I don't know. Especially in three D, I find you can you can experiment a bit more. And uh, when I was doing two D adverts, it was just trying to use as many shortcuts as possible. And then the storyboards were a lot tighter. And, you know, you can really go too far off the storyboards. But with three D, I I found that I can experiment a lot more, especially the style of the walks or or anything when I work with Steve on uh, Pom Bear. We were kind of chopping and changing each other's work a bit, weren't we? Yeah. And it didn't seem to affect style or anything. But, but that didn't change the way I worked on the film and I did on the advert. It's still the same, just keep experimenting, keep trying new stuff. And, the 3D animation think, uh, tends to look really mushy if you don't spend enough time on the polish side. Yeah, but I think that's part of the problem. I mean, with low budgets, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you know, you have to block things out anyway. Uh, and the good, the, the, this is a good thing for 3D contra 2D because 2D, uh, you have to plan everything out ahead anyway. And uh, if the budget is low, you can't do retakes, which means that you have to be sure what you're doing the first mm -hmm. time around. In 3D, you can you can play around. And you can have the character, you know, you can simulate the walk by just dragging the <laughs> the hip to a new place, and then you can mm -hmm. see if okay, does it work? Uh, if he goes there in, in that amount of time, putting the you know the, the keys in between, basically. I'm just thinking that that can be a problem that you're not used to thinking frames in 3D. Yeah, I think it's I think like harder to learn t timing, I guess, when you're doing 3D than 2D. Because on 2D, you have to plan everything out and and remember how how many frames there is in a walk and how many frames there is in a certain yeah. type of movement. Yeah, I, I tend. To think that in in two D it's easier to kind of um, use formulas. But yeah. I think that's a strength actually from two D that you spend more time actually kind of preparing your shot before you start. 
That, that's what's Cause, strange. Cause for, yeah. for me also, yeah. when I'm time constrained, I end up doing like links, uh, two frames down, hold for two, and four frames up, or you know, it's you just oh, I'll just do this, I'll just do this because it works. Yeah. As in, and I, I think every link looks the same. Uh, more or less, because <laughs> I mean, you don't have time to. Oh, I'd be cool if you did, you know, go down three frames and hold for maybe five and see what happens. But I also think uh, a problem with 3D is it's it's too easy to just start working in the computer and just drag the hip, see what happens, and then offset yeah. and just copy, paste keys. and Yeah, that's, that's where you see really bad animation. You don't usually see like really bad 2D animation because it's you have to have a certain amount of knowledge to do the t- yeah, 2D animation. Yeah, it's from the Richard Williams thing, isn't it? It says, I mean, all right, is it the Brad Bird interview where he says, it's kind of like with uh, using samples to play music. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, to yeah. do 2D animation, you kind of you have to have a certain skill level to do yeah, decent yeah. 2D animation as opposed to 3D animation. Any more or less, anyone can set keys and move stuff yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. these arrows, and you can just drag the hip <laughs> around. <laughs> it's it's definitely I, I I'm not saying I, I'm, it's definitely a bonus to 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 have done 2D before you do 3D, but I also think that you um it's very easy to take those same constraints that you have in 2D yeah. timing timing wise into 3D for example i very you know i always almost always use um like 12 frame walks for example and <laughs> i know exactly how the 12 frame walk work work and breaks down and i've got it like formulated but it, you know the, the fun thing with 3D is that you don't have to you, know, you don't have to do that in, in 3D. You know, you can experiment a bit more. I still use the the, the like the walk the two twelve frame walk. I still use that. Yeah. I always start with that, and uh, I think it's just the, the best way. Well, that's how I work anyway. I still use I still think 2D, but then yeah, but then 3D. When I start trying to do 2D animation now, it's really bad when I do something wrong. I'm drawing and I think Control Z. When doing 3D, do you spend more time experimenting, or you, do you want? Does one just end up putting out more footage? Well, um, in the film we're working on now, which is uh, you know you have to have a, a big uh, output. Um, basically, it means that you do more footage, I guess. But it you know it, it all depends. I mean, um, I think time constraints can be good too because you can you can kill the scene by overworking it. You know, you can put in all sorts of little flourishes that and nobody notices and just really distracts from the main action of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also good to put in like holds where very little is happening, mm-hmm. just to contrast from when stuff really are happening. Um, yeah, what, the, what the audience should be focusing on. So. Yeah, I think it's a great way of learning, working on uh, low budget movies or games or whatever. Although I just I hate it when like you spend three hours, you just completely lost the uh, time. You you polish this one finger and then you yeah. look at it the next day and you don't even kind of realize it because yeah. it's not important at all. Yeah. Or if you're really having a trouble with something, you spend like three hours on it and then you come back the next morning and you fix it in like three minutes it's just yeah. so depressing that's one of the great things with 3D this afternoon I was doing a walk with this character turning and going up some stairs I spent all afternoon on it and then I, my keys started going all over the place they weren't I like having everything on the same frame yeah. and then I realised they started to be offset and it was about three seconds of animation <laughs> so I just deleted everything and started again yeah, yeah. and did it in an hour so that's one of the great things of uh, 
That's that's, that's pretty amazing. That that happen that happens every time. Yeah. If, if you redo something because of a, like a, if the power goes down, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> which has happened. <laughs> uh, then it's almost always like one third of the time just working out stuff because you have it all in your head. You have all the poses in your head. Yeah. yeah. So many times I set too many keys. I mean, it's just like over. It's too detailed, and then you go and delete them, and then. It works yeah. so much better. Mm. Yeah, you have to you have to really work from the basics and get like the main stuff in there. And if you have enough time, you can put in more details. But it's it's only animation buffs that will notice the difference, really. <laughs> yeah, just sometimes I find it hard just to keep focus on what's the most important things for the shot because. You're so into the, the mechanics of stuff, and then you kind of want to fix one thing, and then you you spend two hours on it. And then it's <laughs> I very, I very, I very often waste a lot of time, uh, especially with the eyebrows and, and little twitches in the mouth and stuff. And it looks really good when I'm <laughs> when I'm flipping it on the screen. Yeah. But then when you're playing it off, it kind of travels <laughs> in uh, very many directions at once instead of having any coherent emotion. Yeah, that's true. How bad would that be when you do a line test in 2D? And yeah. you see that. Yeah. <laughs> All the detailed yeah. stuff. Yeah. When that happened, I was animating a flag once and I was just thinking, oh, the tail on this flag is lovely. It, it looked great when I was flicking and rolling. Yeah. And I went and filmed it and it was awful. And I spent all day on it. And uh, I went home, so again, emotionally drained. And I had to, yeah, cried yourself just Yeah, sleep. I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about this bloody kite tail. And then, uh, I was just like hanging everything. I got the mum's tampons out and yeah. you know, oh, the string at the bottom. <laughs> that, that's quite inter interesting, the thing you say about emotional drain. Yeah. Because it's, it's it's, it's, if, if you had a bad animation day, it's like if you've done some really bad acting during yeah. the day. Spend so many hours on something that looks like like crap, and you go home and you just the, whole, the rest of the Plans day is just it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes you're really happy when you go home. You're like, ah, oh, this is so cool. I put in. He's doing this, and you got these nice overlaps, and everything's working really nicely. And then you look at it the next morning, and you're like, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> How? I mean, when we have crits in here, and they look at the work. As soon as I know my scene's coming up, my heart is going. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, yeah. uh, it's a really kind of stressful moment because you want and to see it. It always up. looks worse on the big screen than on your, yeah. screen, than on yeah. your screen. Yeah, yeah. Like, but also, you sit there like, oh, the timing's off, and oh, yeah. that overlaps really bad. They had to yeah. look it up. And the one that's like, oh, that looked pretty good. You know, but yeah. it helps when people compliment. Yeah. Uh, it would have yeah. taken me 10 minutes to fix that little thing, and I didn't bother to because I was like tired. Yeah, <laughs> that's just stupid. When someone does compliment you on the work, you say, "Yeah, thanks, but I, I wanted to fix this bit." And then you start. He's the, you know, someone gives you a compliment, and like, yes, you kind of don't say thanks. You start yeah. saying, "Yeah, but it's bad here." And you start. Yeah, I know it's bad. Uh, yeah. You said it was bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it for now. That was the first part of the second roundtable podcast. Uh, you're gonna have to wait a while, maybe like a week, to hear the rest, and hopefully that will be uh, worth your wait. So I'm signing out, and until next time, have fun and animate!